0: Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 275 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we are talking about last weekend's USCX race in Rochester, New York. Rochester Cross, lots to discuss about that race, mostly centered around the muddy conditions, and what that wrought on Sunday, and we get into all of it. Before we do, though, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Hammerhead, and the Karoo 2. It's the most advanced GPS cycling computer available today. It's got industry-leading mapping, navigation, routing capabilities... I, I use it on my bikes all the time. It's a great way to store all the data that you're used to, but it's also intuitive. It's really easy to use. They have firmware updates every two weeks. So you're always getting the, the best features and updated features and bug fixes and all that stuff that I know that other computers struggle with. Uh, Hammerhead and the Crew 2 are always ahead of the curve. So here's, here's the deal you guys like data and you like heart rate data so we're gonna give you a a free heart rate monitor with purchase of a hammerhead crew 2. if you visit hammerhead.io right now and use the promo code cxradio cxradio all one word as i always say in my copy it's all in cap so just be safe and do that put that in a checkout you'll get your free heart rate monitor with purchase of a Hammerhead Crew. It's exclusive. It's limited time, and it's only for our podcast listeners. So don't forget to use the promo code CXRADIO. It's a free heart rate monitor with purchase of a crew 2. Go to hammerhead.io, add both items to your cart, and use the promo code CXRADIO today. Okay. Uh, Zach's been killing it on the bulletin. I hope all of you have subscribed. If you haven't, go to substack.com. Oh, excuse me. Go to cxherrors.substack.com. If you put your email address in there, you're going to get all the free stuff that comes out of the bulletin. If you subscribe, $8 a month, $70 a year. On top of the free content that we push out there. You'll also get exclusive race reports, results, and everything else that Zach is doing. Along with that, you're also supporting the other things that we do at CX Hairs, specifically the heat check. Well, I, I put one out last week on the Wide Angle Podium YouTube channel. It's a uh, wideanglepodium.com slash YouTube or youtube.com dot com Wide Egg on Podium. Either way, whatever way you want to get there. Uh, First app is up. I'm working on the second app now after Rochester. We got some shuffling to do in the Heat Check Power Rankings. Would love for you to check that out as well. As always, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a positive review, five-star rating. Help us get some more ears on the podcast. All right. We're talking about Rochester Cross and the muddy run up and the pits and everything else that went into it. And we got Michael, we got Zach. It's episode 275 of Cyclocross Radio and we're doing all of that right now. We're back in the media pit. It's it's almost like a routine now. And and we we had a uh, Rochester, we're all in Rochester. Well, two of us were in Rochester. Michael wasn't in Rochester. Michael, um, you were home watching on TV. How's it going there in New Orleans? It's going good. We're finding out the cool
1: front. It's down to the low 80s. Cross season is oh, here, nice. baby. It's very
0: good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fantastic. How how have cross practices been going? Uh, I've done I've done two hot lap sessions and cross back is back, baby. Like. I'm thinking about going to Ozcross and I'm thinking about racing and I'm like, oh my God, that
0: course is gonna kill my back. So that'll be that'll be sweet. You definitely should do that. That'll be fun. You can you can say you raced on a worlds course. And I'll tell you what,
1: I'm not gonna take off the forty-two gravel tires that I rode for Mammoth. Tough. I'm gonna leave them on because wider is better, and I realize as you get older, it's also a lot a lot like a lot more suspension. So I'm into it now.
0: Perfect. I think that's the way to go. Zach, you've joined the circus. How's it going after week two?
2: That is true. You're right. I I am on the circus. Uh, I'm headed to Charm City this weekend as well. So the circus continues. Uh, I have to say, I mean, just a couple of things. You know, it's cross season. Uh, If you know that if you've talked to me, we didn't even have to text each other. We just pod time. Pod time is back. So you know that the media pits back. It's, you know, just a routine for us. We know given time Tuesday nights, we do the thing. And Michael was pointing this out, uh, since we're on history connection corner, of course, adjacent to the Erie canal, which I think will actually end up playing a role in our discussion about the races, but cool little historical tie-in after, you know, my guy, Jay Money did his civil war tour. So we'll see what we can do for the Baltimore, the Baltimore tie history corner for Baltimore.
1: Any history there in Baltimore,
2: Bill? I mean, just I'm saying. Besides the wire, what what do they got going on there? Wow, that's. I mean, I, I don't if we have any Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore's like one of the sit, oldest and most storied
0: cities in America, dude. I'm like, joking.
1: I'm joking.
2: Okay,
0: all right. And and Drew Hill took their name from Druid Hill Park. That I didn't know.
2: Okay, cool. Which I believe is, I think it's like the second oldest public park in America. So I I guess I'm just preempting my history corner with that one. So, Uh, but anyway, Bill, we were we were in Rochester. I don't know. I mean, uh, I I guess leading into the week, you know, I I did an interview with with Emily Werner, and she was uh, in the RV, and she was talking to me. She's like, Zach, I've been I've been checking the weather every ten minutes, and it's calling for rain, and I'm really excited, and I mean, Saturday was nice, but man, that forecast did not change all week. And uh, it rained (laughs) a lot, especially right before
0: the races. First time since the race moved to Genesee Valley Park that they had at least one day of rain. It's like it's rained in the past, but it's never rained. And this was definitely the first the first deluge that we got for Sunday. But even even before we get there, a couple, I think significant changes to the course it may not have made a huge difference but one thing that i think we we can note is that it was a a shorter track than than in the past um and if you want like a great break jens decker uh friend 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 of of cx hair's bulletin show everything he's he did started doing this last year he's continued to do these course breakdowns after the race and then he goes through with or any rule UCI rules broken and he rates the course and he's been doing this for the US courses as well and I thought his Rochester one was was really well done and kind of nailed all of the all the spots in there but one thing that this that the track from last year had that this didn't have, that maybe was kind of a a precursor to Sunday was that it had this big wooded section with these log jumps and everything else. And that was all taken out because it was underwater because they had been getting heavy rain there. So that, that was out. And then a lot of the part back in the grassy field was shorter, which meant that where we used to get eight minute laps at Rochester, we were looking at like, I don't know. Do you know what they ended up, Zach? I know they were getting near in the men's race on Saturday, sub six. Yeah, on
2: Sunday, it was like pretty close to that. I think the men were at about eight-ish still. I mean, they were still at eight with the mud on Sunday. And then the women, I think, were up around
0: 10-ish. Yeah, but Saturday was much faster.
2: Yes, I mean, obviously. So that that's kind of interesting. I, I noticed that the section in the jungle, so the section back in the woods they call the jungle, it's got like really tough entrance actually uh, coming under the underpass. It's like a hard left uphill. It's really washed out. And that was kind of made a difference in, you know, some of these races within the races, but it's got like a cool half pipe section that looks really fun to ride. Although not so much on Sunday. Cause you really had to get momentum to get up the half pipe.
0: Yeah, but it was almost, but at least you were coming down it. So it was kind of more fun if you could ride it. And some, some could, and some couldn't, uh, you know, another kind of race history, if people don't know, is that years ago, and this was, you know, you look at running a race and just sort of the logistics at running a race, they had this logistic nightmare in that they didn't have that ramp that they built, that big blue wood structure underneath the road to get to the other side. And you used to go And so you also didn't have that big horseshoe. That wasn't part of the course. Instead, you just went up and over the road. And then they needed course marshals there to stop cars so the race could cross the road and then let cars go through again. And it was just, I mean, I, I can't even imagine the stress of that having this race. And then Scott Page was able to somehow devise this pretty great structure that they built and fit to underneath the um, underneath the the bridge that sort of flattens it out that you can just ride over and, and get through so much much smoother race now that that we're no longer going over the road I don't know if they have a
2: lumber sponsor but it seems like they like building stuff for this race I I can't speak to it the last time I went was in 2019 the flyover I don't remember being there um, I, that seems relatively new I could be mistaken but I don't remember the flyover? Was
0: there a flyover? I can't remember the first year that the flyovers was there. It seems like it's been there for a few years and it really, you know, that facilitates that Sunday reroute. So, you know, Saturday you're like, why do you need, you, you don't really need the flyover on Saturday. They could have run the course without it and it would have been fine, but they need it on Sunday because the only way to route it in reverse of Saturday is to kind of go back on itself so it would have been last year because in
2: 2019 there was no sunday we didn't do double trouble backwards the reverse double troubles. so that must have been a last year and bill 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 why do they call them belgian stairs
0: I, I i want to know i don't know i don't maybe the lumber's from <laughs> belgium maybe they're like belgium Belgian quick trees step. were used quick step flooring. for those stairs. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe the flooring is uh, is Belgian. It's quick step flooring. That's a good call. That might be it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know, yeah. Zach?
2: No, I have no idea. I oh. mean, I. but every race does it. Everything's got to be Belgian. It's the Belgian flyover, the Belgian steps, the Belgian, I mean, and gosh knows they do any, I'm going to put a boat. I mean, does, you know, the Almagree at Grand Prix, do they call it the Belgian boat? Because that's
0: Belgian now. I don't know. What? Here, here's something that the Mid-Atlantic started doing that I just used to roll my eyes at and we changed it at DCCX and then. We've all kind of stepped back. The leadership has changed. The DCCX. It has come back. The kids race is called little Belgians, which just used to drive me crazy. And, and, and I, I, I'm sorry for the controversial take here, but my biggest problem with it is that American girls, and they are, you know, four, five, six years old, have so many fast... American women to look up to who are faster than the Belgian women, that why would you refer to them as, like, aspiring to be Belgian? It just, it, oh, uh, it, it makes no sense. But that's not about Rochester. <laughs> it's the race for LA beat.
1: so...
2: Uh, so, the, I mean, the big story, I guess, you know, we like to, to go in order, but the big story for the women's race, uh, I mean, to, to preface this, uh, <laughs> I get to the venue on Saturday and I don't know someone involved with the race. I think they had a staff shirt on and they were like, hey, do you know who Marie Worst is? So I was like, yeah, <laughs> she's, you know, like she's. She's pretty good. He's like, look, and he shows me his phone and it's got like a video of her doing pre-ride. And I was like, ah, oh, we have a minor celebrity here. And he was like, a minor celebrity. And I was like, I don't know, dude, I come across like I've right. interviewed Mariana Voss. I've interviewed Wout Van Aert. Like, yeah, she's a minor celebrity. But, you know, she was here. We talked about it. she finished second at Worlds twice. She won U- U23 Worlds in 2017. And I think it was a, a big addition. And I guess... Maybe I'll ask you guys. I I just did an interview with Megaly Rochette, which I think will be up on the bulletin. I am super duper bummed, and I know she was too. Imagine any vintage of Megaly Rochette during Rochette Chester against Anne-Marie Worst. It would have been friggin' awesome.
0: Yeah, because I, I think Megaly just owned that track for years and you know, we we always talk about Rochester where it's kind of this bifurcated uh course where half of it is a power section, half of it is a technical section. And, you know, Magali would get to that those power sections, just kind of put her head down and go and just get these huge gaps. And I think that in, in top form, she would have really given Anne-Marie a run for her money in those sections. And now, you know, her technical skills have improved as well, but that's, I think, you know, when we get into the racing, that's really where Anne-Marie shines. She's, you know, a, a mountain biker as well, and is, as, as a good handle on her bike and was really able to, uh, expertly execute those, um, those, those technical sections but yeah no it was it was a bummer and we kind of saw it coming in in Roanoke you know where she really wasn't feeling up to par we talked about the food poisoning and coming off of COVID and then I know Zach you and then she made it to Rochester tried to race but it just it just wasn't happening I know that you just talked to her uh recently Zach any any kind of a sneak preview we can get on on that interview you're gonna have out
2: Yeah, ideally, if it's on the bulletin, I mean, she's, I think she's still dealing with long COVID symptoms or long, not long COVID, but long, long term, you know, it affects you. And I think you talk to anyone who is an athlete who's had COVID, it can affect you for a while. So I think instead of pushing through, you know, she talked about, well, I could keep pushing through or whatever, but she thinks the best decision for her is to shut things down uh, for the foreseeable future, get healthy, and then try to get back into form. Um, But no, no, no target date. I think that you know her number one priority is uh, getting healthy. But I did, I did leave it open. I was like, you know, could could a race promoter slide into your DMs and you know maybe get you to come do some announcing? And she said that she's going to still try to find ways to stay involved, um, but it's probably not in the cards because I think resting is really the number one priority for her at this point.
0: Yeah, when I talked to her briefly, she, they, they, her and David, they were saying you know, best case scenario sometime in November. I'm hoping
1: that this is one of the situations where athletes, I mean, obviously COVID is is pretty serious and those effects are different than getting sick or injured, but sometimes you'll see an athlete who has to take that forced rest and then comes back with like killer legs. And so I'm, I'm really hoping that, we have seen Magalie in the past like come into season super strong and just tear it up and then maybe running on fumes at the end. So I this is my hope for Magalie is that she she gets healthy and like comes back and hits the end of the season. You're up really strong and like has just like a good, you know, wraps it up nicely. That's 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 my uh, hope for her.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it sets her up better than she's ever been set up for Worlds if she is able to get healthy and, and take this time off. So, yeah. Definitely, definitely the, uh, the the glass half full uh, look at it, Michael.
1: I you know, I turned on the race and like I heard the rumors that Anne-Marie was there, super excited to see. And um, I don't know, it, it was it got fast, and I was really curious who was going to try and stick with her. And you know, Lizzie Gonzalez, I thought it was beautiful. Like went with her. It kind of reminded me of like the old Canada thing we'd see where. Lane Maher, who would go in the beginning and be that guy and stick with the rider at the front, and he had the teammates in the back. And I just, that was something that I stuck out from the beginning of that race is seeing Lizzie go up there and just trying her best to stay on Anne wheel because, wow, she was super fast um, from the gun until she actually slipped out, um, which, is, which is kind of, I don't know if that was like from the, I guess it didn't rain on day one, but I thought that was a good start for
2: uh, Lizzie there. Yeah, the course was super dusty. And I mean, I think you we'll talk about too for Sunday's race. It was cool to see younger riders just being like, how often do I get to ride with Anne-Marie Worse? And I'm just gonna to use our my favorite phrase, I'm gonna yellow it and I'm just gonna like do the thing and you know, get off the front with her, um, which was which was really cool to see. And it's you know, I mean, you don't get that opportunity very often. So, and, uh, you know, it was interesting to me, I guess, talking to Anne Reworth, she seemed she's she was very humble after the race. Cause I was like, you know, I mean, spoiler alert, she, she really excelled in the jungle and that's where she got her gap, I think in the second lap, but she was like, yeah, I really enjoyed riding that in pre-ride, but I didn't know, was I riding it well or not? And then after lap one, she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm heads and shoulders above everyone else in this section. And that's where she kind of got her, her gap and just went for it. So, I mean, it, it's not surprising. I mean, it's, it's, it's technical and, uh, you know, she grew up mountain biking. That's what she did before she did cyclocross and she's pretty good at, at technical skills. So, uh, you know, it was good. It was fun for a lap and a half
1: (laughs) before she really
2: kind of went for it. I had 22 minutes
1: in she's she's off the front. I think at one point she like looks at her watch. I know they're not looking at the time. I think I'm assuming they're looking at a heart rate or something or but it it just it has the visual of like, oh, is it time to go? Like coach said, you know, 22
2: minutes in um, that was kind of an interesting image. Shoot, I look at my watch and I'm like, holy balls, I still have 30 more minutes of this? I'm dying. I have to do this for 30 more minutes,
0: but that was probably wasn't her. No. She was getting she was getting a text. <laughs> she's getting a, she's get, she was getting her, her, her weekend preview for a Netflix on her phone. Um, okay, so without Anne Marie there, it kind of looked like Roanoke behind her at least on day one carol manny having having another strong day ended up 23 seconds behind austin Killips, about 10 15 seconds behind her Raylan us another uh 20 seconds back and then fifth place first time this year we're seeing maddie monroe out there i think uh this was possibly the first or second time she was on her cross bike since last season so uh you know getting getting used to riding a cyclocross bike um in a cyclocross race and still pulling off a, a, a fifth place finish. Pretty, pretty nice little reintroduction to cyclocross for her.
1: say so it's great to see her out there and it was sort of like oh wow fifth place and then we'll see on day two how she even sort of improves on that.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily a course that would, you know, it's fast. It's a fast course. Obviously, the technical parts suit her. But I don't know if we necessarily know her as like power rider at this point. You know, she's a mountain biker or whatever. So I, it was a fast race. I mean, it's fast conditions. It was a fast race. I think that's a really nice result for her and probably a little bit of a shock to get that speed back and be racing cyclocross. But, you know, it's a good intro to to get back back in the thing and get things going again.
0: Yeah, but it's not like she was also not race fit. I, I think if anything, she's coming probably to the end of some fitness because they were going pretty hard for those World Cups for the last month or so, ending up you know with Worlds and then the the World Cup after it. So I think I think it's 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 something we see almost equivalent to roadies coming into cyclocross where they're still kind of getting everything they can get out of their main uh, discipline. Fitness, and I think that's that's probably what she's got going for her too, and is trying to take advantage of that as long as she can. Uh, Lauren Zerner, sixth place, a uh, best you know C one finish for her. A great, great race there for the nineteen year old uh, and Magalie, and then uh, Sydney McGill. First time we're seeing Sydney McGill this year. Another mountain biker showing up. Uh, first Canadian in the race without a uh, Magalie there, so. Um, Uh, And again, Michael, like you're saying, this is all sort of a precursor for Sunday, but nice race for her as well. Anything else we want to talk about for this Saturday women's race? Should we just stick with the women for Sunday or should we uh, talk about the men? Yeah. One other
2: little interesting bit was, you know, you you mentioned it it was the results were similar to Roanoke. And I think I mentioned in my race report that maybe the results sheet doesn't tell the whole story, but Austin Killips gave me- Caroline Mani a run for her money. I mean, she was with her and, you know, Austin is a very powerful rider. So like, you know, she would take over on these long power straights and Mani would kind of have to hang on and then Mani would try to get to the front and do her thing in in the technical sections. But, you know, watching on the live stream, you saw, I talked about that left-hander under the overpass. Uh, that's ultimately where Caroline Mani got her gap in that little mini battle because she was able to ride it and you know austin admitted in her post-race interview that it was like hit or miss for her and and that lap she couldn't ride it so you know it's like a deceptively technical feature that you know i think a lot of you know maybe it looks kind of easy or whatever but it was you know you're just kind of on rails it's really dusty and you have to pick the right line and get in the right gear and make it up and over so i mean that was that was fun to watch so definitely Carolyn money had to work for for that second place on Saturday.
1: Where should we go? We'll do the men. On... Let's go to the men. Day one. I, I just, yeah, I just, first thing, I and mean, it's in my mind because of your amazing Instagram reels. Tobin Ortonblad, like, coming in hot to, like, th- this is the first race of the season? Have I already forgotten Roanoke? Oh, this is his first race? Or second? This is his first race. Right. So he, he came in as, as Bill, the ultimate heat check I look forward to seeing where he lands on your list. But um, kind of seeing, like, a whiff of, of 2017 Tobin. I mean, just, just really, like, going, like, fast Tobin. Like, that that's the thing I'm noticing this time is, like, got the tech skills, but just really charging it. I think at one point he was leading the race, just attacking. So, um, you know, the working man, earning those dollars
0: out there. Yeah, I saw Tobin throughout the year because he was showing up for – mountain bike races, he did amazing at Sea Otter for the XC, got fourth place in the Fuego out there. And then, you know, unfortunately, as Tobin is wont to do, (laughs) just getting injured left and right. I mean, just, you know, he sliced open his leg. He just, I don't know, wrist or shoulder or something, just always getting injured. But yeah, you're absolutely right. He's healthy, he's back, and he looks fast. And just like we are talking about Matty Monroe, he's another guy who has not put his leg over his cyclocross bike except for maybe once or twice before doing this race. In true Tobin form, he's like, cyclocross cyclocross bikes are the worst bikes out there. They're just stupid. They're dumb. They're not fun to ride unless you're racing. I'd rather just go on my mountain bike. I don't want to be on this bike unless I'm going fast. So that's that's Tobin. (laughs) He's like, once you're out there and you're doing sketchy stuff on it, you're like, this is the absolute wrong bike for what we're doing on it, then it's a lot of fun but other than that they're just dumb and on, on that note you know because Tobin has just had like
2: terrible crashes and stuff and I was talking to him and and Lancey Pants and Lancey Pants said something to the effect well you know Tobin when you crash you crash hard
0: <laughs> it's true but yeah so fourth place finish on day one for him which I think I think truly was a big kind of uh hey I'm here call to the rest of the field, which you know we've talked about Tobin in the past and like wanting to see that form again, so it was really cool to see that. Uh you know Anne Marie's partner getting first place in in this race, uh Vinny B, kinda you know, to to give a little uh preview of, of of the heat check check taking up residence on the East Coast and in every elite rider's mind i mean the the guys just can they they can't solve them zach they still can't solve them they get close curtis is trying but it's just not to be yeah i mean i guess
2: i i i watch a lot i've shared this i watch a lot of women's volleyball uh because the badgers have been so good lately and i think like especially like in women's volleyball like there's this like, there's hitters that, like, you just can't solve. Like, your block can't stop them. You can't get them, you know, you can't get the ball to them to make sure that they can't hit. You can't get in their head. And this feels like, you know, a, a, like, Vinny B is like just a rider going off for like 25 kills in a match. And like, no one has any answer. And I guess volleyball is interesting. Cause it's very strategic. It's like, well, do we change our block? What do we do? You know, it can change within the match. And they just have no answer, no answer whatsoever at this point. I, I, I don't know. You know, one, one thing that I brought up, Michael, you, I, I'm glad that you brought it up. I was hoping that we would do like, they'd find the lane Maher to Curtis and Eric's Curtis and Stephen Hyde. Just find those younger riders and be like, look, here's your job. (laughs) Go do the thing for America. You'll hang on, you'll finish eighth, seventh, eighth or whatever, but do it so we can beat Vinny B.
0: Didn't Scott Funston give it a go? Wasn't he uh, kind of poking his head out of there early?
2: Yeah. Well, and and Andrew did on day two of Roanoke as well, Strohmeyer. So um, they just, they have no answer for the guy.
1: Well, I guess, you know, Curtis White did try, right? He sort of said in the posters interview, he sort of noticed that, um, Vinny was back and and he and Brunner they're both back and he said well then I'm gonna go and he goes and it felt early but he gave it a good effort I mean he he is trying something different and it was I I found it interesting in the interview with you Bill he mentioned he mentioned like I don't know why they were helping him chase me down and I was like oh that's right like who is he talking about Caleb like did Caleb take some pulls and I was like you got to get Caleb on the. You got to get him on the message. You get like, bro. You would
0: like, no, 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 <laughs> no help at all. I, I, I was I, when he said that, I was like, thank you for saying it. And I even, you know, later was thinking about you, Michael. I was like, this is Curtis White's crit experience. Yes, yeah. right. Like he's out there on his own, and it's like his team is helping bring. And he's like, what are you guys doing? You know, his team being, uh. ABV here, anybody but Vinny (laughs) and, and yeah, why are you bringing the strongest guy back? And I was like, I know Caleb wants to try to, to, to close it down, but at the same time, it's like, he, he should know he's not going to beat Vinny. So if you you know, you sort of do the math and if Curtis has a chance, well, let him go for it and that's fine. And then you can fight it out at the end, but it's not like you're going to bridge without bringing everybody else
2: with you. I will say Caleb's defense and I caught that, too. And I was like, oh, that's cold. He didn't mention by name. He said, like, some guys, some guys. And it's like, well, let's go ahead and take a look. There were only two. Uh, But, I, you know, Caleb made a good point, though, is that, you know, he went out really fast and he was trying to stay towards the front. Him and Funston were at the front early because there are these pinch points. You know, this course just stacks up. You know, you look at that underpass thing. If a guy biffs it and there's three guys or two guys up in front of you, you're getting held up. you know. So he was trying to stay in front. And maybe he was still carrying that strategy forward, but
0: he was in a group of three. Like, right. Probably it's, not the best. Yeah. He'll learn, but, but not the best at, idea. At the same time, to his credit, Caleb, this is where we get back on your side. Uh, third place. Right. That's finishing a C1. So you, 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 as far as that goes, strategy for him, that's a win. You know, He, he was... He was in tears at the finish line. He was so happy with this result. So you, you can only, you know, get on him, but so much. It's it, it was a great race for him. I I think, Zach, this, uh, I'm going to let you do it. This is the time we need to talk about Eric Bruner on day one. Well, so I want to ask you guys, I'm concerned. So, like,
2: you know, I run into him in the warming up, and he's got the stars and stripes on. I'm like, because he's been kind of wearing it, but not for the, you know, he's wearing the Pan Am's kit. I'm like... Are you are you doing the thing? He's like, Yeah, I think I'm gonna do the thing. Like I was a little afraid. Apparently it's like a twelve hundred 1200... he thought it was a twelve hundred dollar Swiss franc fine from Copache for not wearing the Pan Am's kit, but then I think he determined that that's not a thing, Bill.
0: He is correct in that determination. I, I actually did some I did some journalism and I uh sent out some emails because the rules aren't anywhere, of course, as we've we've figured out. And it's, I think what I have said in the past that it's up to all of these sort of mega federations to to figure out if they get to determine if a person has to have the um, pan championship jersey take precedence over the national kit. Kapachi's never done it. They've never passed that rule. So you are even, even if USA Cycling or whoever else is telling him that or anybody, it's. It's not a pass rule, and you know I'm going to get absolute ironclad confirmation on that. Hopefully, tomorrow. But for now, that was the preliminary answer I got from people in the organization. That no, that that rule does not exist. So they can wear whatever kit they want. So we had as long as they wear, yeah. So we had the Stars and Stripes. They have, they have to wear a kit. They have, if they are, you know, and that was the, that was the thing with um, Ava Holmgren, you know, in Europe last year. She had to wear that Pan Am kit. So there, I know that they're, you know, Raylan Nuss is still waiting on her Pan Am kit. Technically, I think she could be fined for not oh, wearing right. her Pan Am kit in a UCI race. But if it, you have another championship kit, I still think they have not made that rule saying that one takes precedence over the other.
2: Think she should wear the novelty podium kit, just you know, yeah. great, way, well, to, great cool. way to start it's getting cool team. now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, great way to start the new team. Uh, so I was concerned that I mean, I Brunner was sharing, you know, he had a bad week in Rochester last year, I was afraid he was just gonna bail on the stars and stripes. I mean, he looked phenomenal that pan am kit but you know he's not a superstitious man uh but dear god did he have a bad day so he dropped he he went out hot too so you know tobin got things started and he's like i'm gonna go to the front and be aggressive as well uh drops his chain there was in double trouble like you can't really see it on the broadcast but the first part on day one there's this rock ledge that's maybe six or eight inches high Mm -hmm. and you have to kind of bill right take the left line to come up with it but you know, you can chonk your wheel all different kinds of ways. So he drops his chain, falls back, um, you know, and then Curtis, you know, he was in the wrong position or whatever. Uh, and then he crashed to get. Oh, so then Vinny goes. So Vinny, Vinny makes his move, I think, in lap two. So he also used the jungle. So, you know, it's funny that Curtis called him a, a finesse rider. He has a lot of finesse. And so you know vinny was more than happy to take advantage of of the jungle section and show off his his skills or whatever which he did so there's a the chase and then brunner stacks it up at the bottom of the second part of double trouble thus giving vinny like 10 more seconds is like it was like a keystone cops routine is just the three of them like ran into each other uh, and then he just biffs it at the barriers that was that was the last one i mean michael were you, that you was
0: were, that was a hard
1: crash yeah was, michael
2: you were watching right like right
1: so like he he did that he did those two early crashes and then you're thinking you're kind of thinking J- jeremy mentions it this is like jingle you know cha- he's gonna come back into the mix he comes back into the mix i mean just he's you know probably on the rivet and then yeah he hits those barriers it looks like he goes over too hard and, and yeah, and that kind of sealed his deal. But, like, I thought we were – yeah, tough day for him in the stripes. Not a good debut for that jersey. And I hope that doesn't, you know, keep him from wearing it.
2: But I will say this, Curtis and Caleb, you know, Caleb is more than capable of bunny hopping and Curtis has been working on it. They were both running. It, they were awkward. They were high planks. Mm. I, I don't know. I mean, I will I will say critically that maybe you change it up. Like if you're having that bad of a day, like, you know, we've seen it like when Wout or Lars Vanderhaar cases it on the barriers, they just run the planks the rest of the race. Right. We see it all the time because Lars, especially with Lars, because he excels at casing it on the planks. I don't know. Sometimes maybe like reduce. When you're having that bad of a day, when you have the curse of Rochester hanging over your head, maybe change it up and just
0: Also on day 1, I was there with a group of the U19 men who were sessioning the planks on on day 1 and these are all race it, it's a new generation. So they they grow up just it's not like, "Oh my gosh, that guy can ride the planks." That's just part of the skills that they, you know, get at age 10 11 on up. So it's it's just part of their repertoire and they're all looking at it and they all determined the the planks were too close together. So you couldn't come in there with speed on your bike. So they were rideable but you had to slow down so much to be able to make the second plank that just dismounting and running was actually faster than riding in that. Cause you could, you could take so much more speed into it, dismount and be back on your bike. And you know, there was no disadvantage on the other side because it was straight into a turn. So I think that was, that was kind of the math they were doing. So they're really, you might've got a little, if you were able to nail it, you, maybe you get a, a little one, you know, but it was such a, such a high risk because they were too close together, at least to, to do that successfully.
2: And as he pointed out, though, you know, he was stunned. Like, I was not there there, but I was in the vicinity. And, like, you know, he really struggled to get back on his bike. But he still finished sixth.
0: I mean, yeah. he's still, no, that's, he still uh, stuck it, in he's there. Like, amazing. Yeah.
2: You know, and it's funny because I talked to him on Sunday. He's like, wow, I, that was awful. That race was terrible. But he's like, I still finished sixth. Like, right. not bad. and he sprinted his teammate,
1: Funsen, just to be like, you know who, boss, who the boss is.
2: I mean, I think the, the story of the day, though, is Caleb Swartz. I mean, like, I, for him, though, it seems like, you know, I, one thing that gets kind of lost is last year. I think he was battling with Vandenham for fourth, maybe, in the last lap, and he was the first victim of last year's glue-spiracy. Um, and so he <laughs> rolled a tubular. He was going to have the best result of his life in a C1. He's probably going to finish fifth, uh, rolls his tubular, finishes eighth. So it's not not unheard of, but just chatting with him, you know, Last year or last weekend, he was the first guy to miss the first group of five, so he was with the lead kind of popped off, and then he he was the he was pony camping with with Vandenham and uh, Jerry Werner on Sunday, and you know it was just kind of interesting interviewing him because he's like, I did the thing, like i I stuck, I stuck with them. I, you know I, I was texting him, and I was like, yeah you know, I was like, "Hey, great, great race man uh, or whatever." And he's like, "Yeah, like I belong." now I need to take the next step. And I was like, I was like, damn dude, I didn't realize you were going to take the next step this week. I thought we were talking (laughs) about like this season, Jesus Christ. Um, But like the other fun story, Michael, you probably read it in the bulletin is uh, he did a hot lap on Friday and his hot lap was faster than Curtis white. So he was just like, I'm doing it. You know what? I'm just going to like, I'm going to go balls to the wall and I'm going to do the thing. And it's the little things. I mean, it's cool to see a kid get confidence and deliver in the course of like one week. And to have it be like checking Strava lap times, I love it. Great story. It's the it's the
0: FP three effect. Faster, faster in practice. I knew he was going to run run a run a fast car on uh on the weekend. Uh, okay. Uh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh,
1: yes. Let us not forget Lancy's good debut as well. Zach, let us. Oh, I got it. Yeah, his lettuce is phenomenal. No, you said no. You said no on Twitter. I didn't, I didn't know. Were you objecting to the nickname, Lance, let it, hate it? Are you, are you against that? I don't know why
2: I said that, <laughs> <laughs> because I just like saying no to your puns. <laughs> okay. okay, that's fair. That's I get the groans all day long. <laughs> that's my that's my acknowledgement of a good pun, Michael, when
0: I'm just like, no. that's like,
2: <laughs> Michael,
0: are we saying that lettuce will remain?
1: Uh, you're killing me, Bill. You're killing me.
0: Let's then dive into day two. <laughs> Thank you. Sunday, it rained in Rochester. I, um, you know, I, for, for, Michael, we're, we're Bill. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> we're, we're, we're too deep into this world in that what we hear about the most is not the racing. But the pits These seem to be like the story of the day. If you were on site in in Rochester, do we want to start there? Just kind of get it out of the way. Sure. Let's go to let's go to
2: pit pit corner. Uh, so we, I, I, we we were discussing this in the green room. And obviously we've listeners with just like insane levels of knowledge of cyclocross. But and we want to know. Has this happened at other races? But if you were a pit mechanic, you were not allowed to wash your your rider's bikes. Is that not the case, Bill?
0: Yeah, that was the case. So a a couple things here. They had two, well, first thing, backing up even farther, as I mentioned 30 minutes ago. There has never been a rainy day to the point that you needed to be constantly washing bikes, a muddy day at Rochester. So this was the first. So as a race promoter, you put all of these processes and all of these things into into practice, and you have them there ready to go, but never have they had to test them under race conditions until Sunday. And and the setup that they had was that they had two wash stations, and they had... um, to staff Rochester Cross staff members who were manning the power washers. So they were washing the bikes for the mechanics. The reason that they do this, and 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 I understand the reasoning. The reasoning is, is that if you've ever been in a UCI pit before, one of the things that happens is that there will be a few pit crews who are notorious for just commandeering a power washer and like washing it like it's going to go into a showroom. Right. And they'll take five minutes to wash every bike and just way too much. And the line just gets longer and longer and people are yelling. I've heard about pushing before, you know, it's just, it's, it's just gets chaotic. And this was the solution that these guys I'm assuming had a watch on it and they're like 90 seconds or whatever it was for each bike and you get your bike back. We know a lot of these mechanics and they are very particular about how their, their equipment is handled and rightfully so, Uh, you, you know, to the point that they are just, they have their way of doing things. They know when things are clean and there was a lot of complaints that the bikes just weren't coming back clean the way that they wanted to. And, and, and for that reason, you know, bikes were going through brake pads quicker and just not, not getting to be the race performance machines that they wanted or what they would have done in the pits. And it also caused, I think, even then, there were backups in the lines because there were only two power washers where they probably needed four or five. Does that kind of summarize it, Zach? Yeah, I think so. But, Bill, you made the
2: excellent point that, as far as we can tell, that no one's race result was affected buy this. It was, it seems like the complaints, uh, you know, we, we did some journalism and we talked to some of the mechanics. It seems like a lot of the complaints had to do with just breakdown of, of brake pads, chains, and stuff that might need to be replaced a lot quicker because they weren't cleaned the way they need, they needed to be, uh, to avoid that extra wear and tear that you are, you know, that you don't want.
0: And that's not to minimize the concerns that were going on. I get it. I, I understand that everybody who was upset about this i understand the emotions that were happening i think it's almost we were in a good spot that in the end i don't think and i may be wrong and you can tell us but i don't think if you look down the results that anybody could say if not for you know the grime on my bike or not getting my bike cleaned uh i would have been in a different position also we didn't have the case you know we were talking about well, where else were the you know we could go into the whole hour about different pits, but, you know, we were talking about Louisville and, you know, during the Pan Am year and, and they, they fixed it for nationals, but during Pan Am's, so the the pits were really bad and they, they caused a huge puddle and they caused a backup. And in that instance, you saw people coming to the pits for a new bike and their pit crews were waving them off because they didn't have a bike there. Cause it was not, you know, they just didn't have a clean bike. They were still waiting in line to get it clean. So that was not the case. And, yeah, I don't know if it necessarily affected the results, but it wasn't optimal, and we love all of our mechanic friends, and they like to obsess about things, and this has kept them busy for the last couple of days.
1: Well, you know, it's good that they obsess because that's why they're good at what they do. Absolutely right. My my only question was has is this like a, this happened before where they like the mechanics can't wash their own bikes i i haven't seen it curious maybe we'll put out the listeners I, like i feel
0: like i've seen i i don't i i feel like there's been a race that i've seen this at but i i may just be making that up so i'd love for somebody to chime in and and let us know and, should we um and
1: i i was here's a transition for you and maybe it didn't affect anybody's um bike because there was a different log jam that really just kind of made it easy for the front three to get clean bikes. And then there was like 10 minutes before the rest of the field could come through because of
2: the, not a run up, it was an unwalk up. Yeah, I so I did not take photos there in the first lap. I went to double trouble. I mean, I think that is, Rochester is cool if we're going to go to photographer corner, it's very spread out. It makes it very challenging. You have to make decisions about where you're going to go. And you're kind of stuck there. So that's kind of a bummer. But I think the other payoff is it has a lot of really awesome photography opportunities. But I'm coming over. I'm going, you know, walking towards the uh, uh, that bridge thing that was constructed. And Bill's like, were you there for lap one? And I was like, no, I'm just getting here. And you're like, it's total chaos. <laughs> and then you just walk, kept walking. <laughs> it was and I, I didn't realize I didn't realize until later till I watched the live stream, Bill, what you were talking about.
0: Yeah, it was well, here's and I don't I don't know what the difference was. I don't know. I mean, everybody at that level should have been prepared with toe spikes. And I guess I I haven't really gotten into the sort of granular discussion with people on what length toe spikes they had. I think you probably wanted longer. Wands. I think there's also some technique for how you get up there. You know, I, I think um, Emily Werner, uh, yeah, duck sort feet. of uh, described it as a as duck feet yep. and just sort of waddling up there. And if you look, you know, Amory Worst, she's the first one to it. She's the first one up, and she's got it. She's got almost like she's um, snow. It was like cross country skiing. On. Like right. exactly. you go up a hill. Like,
2: that's what that's what yep. was
0: my takeaway. And
2: Emily called it the duck. But the ones that were successful, you point your skis way out at like right. 45 yep. degree angles. You get more purchase. Anybody who
0: kept their who kept their toes in front of their kneecaps were 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 going down. So there there was definitely a technique that worked. But once you got you know the first couple made it through and shout out to Libby Sheldon right up there. She was uh I think she was probably 8th or 10th through there. She, you know, she she had she had her technique down, lots of skiing. Um after that it's like anything else. One person slips and it's just lights out for everyone behind and they were slipping down and they were piling up and, and you know, people figured out if they run through the woods cause the tape no longer existed. So you could run through the woods and you can get traction there. But even that, once you got to the top, you had to take a right turn and cross everybody who was coming up to your right, who was up there before you. So that was another log jam. Once you got to the top, I mean, I, I know I saw, um, Raylan Nuss trying to use the tape and that came down on the other side. And it just, it, I know it made for great videos. I have the whole thing on video. I kind of wanted to show the people who made it when I <laughs> released my video instead of just the more, you know, sensational stuff that happened behind it. But yeah, I don't know. I think, I think he uh, in his uh, write-up, made a really good point that there there was a solution to this, and and that that was the the little hill that was next to the uh, half pipe. You could have come off of the bike path earlier, where we were all walking, and just gone up that hill, and it was a much more gradual climb, and that would have taken you straight into. The woods, and it was also, you know, it hadn't been beat up from the day before, so it was still all grass. Well, there
2: was also, it might have been, there was the descent too. I, I don't know if that's the part that he was talking about from, from Saturday, but I mean, I guess my question for you guys I mean, I got, you know, I, I think this was a topic of conversation. I got texts about it. Should courses be rerouted based on conditions? Is that against the spirit
0: of cyclocross? No, it's in the rules of, of cyclocross that it has to be. You have to be able to to get through the course. Right. You you can't you can't have an obstacle that isn't. Th- I mean, the the rule that's in there is like acrobatics and then other stuff. I think that is within the the rules that that is something that probably should have been changed. And you know, you change it b- before the race starts, and I think then you tell them at the start line that that's that's been done. But I mean, you know, the other arg- part of the argument is that four
1: riders did make it through and i understand that the pileup caused a lot of the other people but it's like okay well then it's like that's a pretty unique that's a unique challenging part of the course and like it's still like was challenging every lap and there's not as many people but it's harder to get up so it changes the race it's a dynamic it's like then is do you reroute the way into it um to, yeah. as opposed i
0: think you keep i think you keep it i mean and look this isn't like i i hope this isn't you know Looked at as some as as poorly on the course designers and and the organizers. Cause I, I think it you know it just is what it is. But I do think you're right, Michael. The people that were prepared for it got up it quickly. The people who were a little farther behind, you know, may have been prepared, but then they had to get through the people who weren't or just had bad luck and were slipping down. But at the same time we see at Namur every year where the the first half of the field gets through and then there's a huge bottleneck and people are just dead stopped for 10 15 20 seconds until they get going again so this isn't unique yeah and it's i mean it's
2: kind of interesting that it it depends on when you race too because it rained for a good 2 hours <laughs> I think so the, I'm curious, Bill, if you were there during the junior races. So the junior women's race goes off two races before the elites. It just starts. It wasn't a downpour, but it was a steady rain that like, unless you were working, Bill, the rest of us were just staying, staying in the pavilion because we're like, all right, I got two hours in me. That's it. That's what I'm doing. That's what my camera equipment has. I mean, so it, it rained a bunch, but then, then it stopped. The sun came out like at the beginning of the elite men's race and it actually started to like dry up. There was like a half lap where it rained a bunch and then it stopped again. So, you know, I mean, part of it, is, I'm just thinking back to Jingle Cross in 2018 was a year that the women went second men's race, fine, no big deal, whatever. But then it just starts pouring for the women's race and the course just turned into a a, a slippery mess. And, you know, I think it's unfortunate. They may be like, well, you know, I mean, some people might say, well, that shows women versus men, but it's really just in
0: cyclocross. It's about when it starts to rain and what time your race is at. And it's a total crapshoot. Yeah. shoot. And for the men's race, it was still hard, but it was, it, it it was tacky. You know, it was, it was, it was different conditions for them because it was really before it was right before the women's race where it got its worst. And I guess the reason I went there is I just ran into a guy who was on the course, who was watching, I think uh, watching people uh, practice before the women's race. And he was like, have you been to the run up? I was like, no, why? He was like, it's insane. Right. You need to go to the run-up. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the run-up first. And he was right. So it was interesting to watch it
1: on TV because I instantly, I, I sort of like, my tweet was like, oh, this is bad. And because I was thinking, like, I knew that this image was going to be the lasting image Like the most popular viewed piece of content this weekend is going to be, you know, out of context, cycling screen grab of the broadcast. Um, And it's like, on one hand, sure, it is kind of funny. It's lighthearted. But on the other hand, it's hard because we really like cyclocross. We think it's a challenging uh, sport and it's dynamic. And like, these are athletes. And when they kind of get reduced to this Benny Hill schlock, you... Feel, started to feel defensive, and you kind of feel bummed, and definitely kind of ran through a gamut of emotions. And even on the broadcast, listening to Jeremy and Jose, kind of they they kind of like were speechless for a moment, and they tried to talk through it. But JPOW was like, "Yeah, this is not cyclocross, really." And like they talked about, yeah, you lose your you lose your momentum. You're coming through. Like this is what happened. The course changes. You know, it's like a road if you're not from a wet environment the first time it rains, the road is really slick. Right. And then after it rains for a few hours, it's, it's not as slippery cause the oil is gone. So it's like, that's what it seemed like to me, but like, I don't know, it was, it was tough to watch because the cyclocross is so much more than that to me. Um, and I know it's just one instant from the weekend and we, we talk about all the other things, but like, unfortunately, that's gonna be the lasting image from this weekend.
0: Oh, and it's good. it's most of what we're going to talk about for because we're already you know coming up on an hour. It's most of what we're going to talk about for the second day, and and it's it's a bummer. And I you know one of my favorite people out there, Rachel Rubino, who races for Nice Bikes, pretty much said that on her you know social media. She said, "Look, I understand. It's funny to watch. I I get it, but at the same time, it hurts and it's embarrassing and it it sucks that we were put into that." position and this is what's going to go around around the world so you know you're you seeing that at home you're not alone that's i think people who are in it knew you know they they know what the the world's like now and they know the environment that's in and they know that that's going to be on every meme account out there and it's it's kind of a bummer for that
2: but we had some good racing after that shout out to madigan monroe and sydney mcgill doing the thing i mean they made it through I don't know where they learned those, you know, the waddle in mountain biking, but two young, two young riders just going for it. It was really cool to see. It was, it was great
1: to see. And I was really, it was, I was like, man, Sydney McGill. Remember at Cincy where she had that phenomenal race, and I was like, oh, but it was switched. It was day one at Cincy, dry. She got a third. Day two, it turned into mudfest, and she didn't do as well. And I was like, that was pretty cool to see her kind of flip it. And you know, I don't know if just. Where she was charging to the front, being there, but but yeah, she she had a great race. And you know, kudos to Caroline Moni who like got caught in that scrum, but I was like, oh, she's out. I was also thinking, like, oh, in terms of the USCX, like if Raylan Nuss can get through in front of Moni and put a gap, like that's going to change this thing, but Moni made it to fought all the race and put herself in a position to sort of like keep the uscx series like in her grasp
0: yeah for sure and even early on yeah i mean Manny fought back she did she went down early but came back um and even made up spots just on the little jungle section right after the run-up i think i think the forgotten section in this course is that half pipe that you were talking about zach because on sunday you could ride up to the top you you know, did a couple turns and then you went up top to the road, and then you had to shoot down to go underneath the uh, under under the bridge, and that the conditions on that changed almost like right after the start from a ride to a run. Amory, Maddie, and Sydney McGill all were somehow able to ride that. Cleanly, and you know they had the right line. It was the high line. They all knew the line, were able to get through, and I think that really pushed them out pretty far right away. Because after them, there were a lot of riders who went down and they lost five to ten seconds there, picking it up, or they had to dismount and run. And then even running was pretty precarious until you got to the the wooden bridge under there. And, th- and th- I think that that was that was one of those spots that it wasn't necessarily a bottleneck. It really was what. We love to see, and yes, you can even say the run-up was this too, because the people who knew the skill could do it, and the people who didn't know the skill couldn't do it, it's just it, the penalty wasn't 30 seconds, the penalty was 5 seconds, which I think is more reasonable for, for those that could ride it straight through, those that couldn't, you're really losing time every lap there. I like
2: how our takeaways are all kind of condensed to this one part of the course, because the thing that, you know, my takeaway, we talked last week about um, Vinny B and just his like elite remounting skills, like these little nuanced things in cyclocross that we take for granted. You're like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, but after that, they kind of went to, I mean, it was completely unrideable for everyone. They had to dismount, run around an off camber, go up the the road embankment and then remount right away on top of a slippery hill on a very steep slippery hill and go down uh you know the fun run <laughs> the the fun sledding section or whatever and just how quickly ann marie worse got back on her bike was what earned her the gap that won the that basically put her ahead of madigan monroe and it was just interesting to me to see like the skill of just remounting getting back on your bike how much faster elite riders are at these skills for me it was just really cool to to see and then she was kind of able to ride with that and you know get a gap but uh, just very similar to what we saw with vincent on some some quick moves you know his bunny hop on day two of charm
0: last year he's just that much faster at this basic skill of cyclocross it's just it was cool to see yeah and even you know we didn't talk about that one either but then that was that was the section two that we had people sliding on their butts down down that which i thought was was fun but it was what i you know I heard even the the venue comment uh, announcers talking about it. They're like, these elite women have to dismount and slide on their butts. And I'm like, guys, your top riders were not doing right. that. People were having fun right. in it and they were doing it and it didn't really affect their race at all but the people at the top have the skill to be able to make that turn get on their bike and ride it and ride it fast and that's what Anne marie was doing that's what maddie was doing that's what everybody at the top of that field was doing so i that that part annoyed me a little bit that it was being couched that all of the women were doing this where it was just you know a hand it was basically one person did it and everybody was like that seems like a pretty good idea (laughs) i'm next that's what i was thinking i was like that doesn't look faster
1: than riding but i guess at some point because the way the race broke out it's like it's fun like you're not gonna you're not gaining on anybody you're not losing spots have a little slide
0: you're like the person who's you know years ago would be last but could you know, jump the barriers on and ride. Up. Right. So yeah, you're, a, you're, you're, you're giving something, you're giving something back. So good for them.
2: I almost wanted, I almost forgot to do the wide angle podium cross podcast tie in. Kevin Bouchard Hall. He raced on Saturday. Oh. Uh, he was there from nowhere fast. He was racing nice. with, with the kids. Um, but I, I was, I actually went, I went out to dinner with him. We went to Applebee's. We went to the finest that Rochester had to offer. It was good. The server did not recommend the Cheetos hot wings, so we, we called audible. Uh, but he was just talking about how in these fields and with you know a lot of younger riders that like you have to like throw yourself into these races with reckless abandon. And I was looking at that feature, and I would have done the same thing. It was dangerous, and I think probably riders made the calculation that like I could crash racing for twentieth place or I could slide on my butt and it'll be fun. It's like, I would have made the same calculation as well. Like it just not worth it to go down that. I mean, it was dangerous. So, I mean, kudos to them and it was fun. It looked like they were having fun and I had some fun with it on Twitter. There were some writers that had really good remounts after that. Like Hannah Ahrensman skated at the end, she just popped right back up and another, you know, Ivy Audrain, she used the c- concrete, just popped right back up. So I don't know, it was kind of fun and I don't know, you know, i don't I don't blame anybody who did that, like I would have done the same exact thing
0: uh so end of this race, you know we had some exciting some exciting uh finishes to this one amorory worst of course taking taking the win by over forty seconds. but after that, and you know michael you you put out on Twitter that we were going to tell you what happened. Sorry to say we were both at the finish, so we don't know what happened either, but we're looking at uh, this group come by. I mean, Manny Moreau basically has this race in hand most of the way, and then uh, Manny and Sidney McGill catch up with her, and they're they're right there, and, and they come to pit two, and they're all together. They're, 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 the gap is gone, and then Manny, it just like – puts in this huge attack right at the end of pit two and takes off. And she's got like immediately five or six bike lanes. And we're like, a, how did she do that? And B, she's actually going to come from, as you said, way back and gets second in this race. And it's just insane. And then, you know, we wait the two minutes that it takes them to do that half of the course. And they come around and Maddie Monroe's alone in second place. And yeah, I don't, did you ask her, Zach? I didn't, I did not ask her what happened in that, in that back section. Michael, should I should I do this? Yes, I do this?
2: of course. Yeah. Bill clearly didn't read the race report because uh, I read Michael's tweet. And that's okay. I wouldn't read it either. Um, I asked them. I asked them both what happened. And their answers were just baffling. I don't know what happened. Like, you saw the broadcast. They were together at the stairs. Something happened. And it wasn't a sprint. Like, Monroe had a couple seconds on money. I think she just outraced her. And the only thing I got is money said she was fried. After getting back back in the game and, you know, I don't know. Monroe was just very, like, meta about it. I was like, I asked very specifically. I wanted to know, how did you, like, this corner, I passed her, put in a dig, and then she slipped out or whatever. But it was just, she was very meta about just picking your spots and figuring out, you know, other riders' weaknesses and where you can make your move. And I'm like, that's a lot in, like, a minute. So my result was shruggy. Shruggy was my answer, Michael, to answer your
0: tweet. I'm sorry,
2: that the Bolton let
0: you down. <laughs> Should we move on to the men? Anything else we need to talk about for this women's race? Let's go to the men. A little bit of a carbon copy of what we saw on Saturday, you know? I, Vincent's going to win these things, and he, he did again, and Curtis White's going to try to do something to change the result, and he didn't again, and I guess the best thing we can say about this one was uh, Bruner was kind of back on his game.
2: Yeah, he only crashed twice. So, I mean, he's definitely... We're we're moving up uh, at the same spot. So, I you no, know, he, he crashed going into pit two. It was a right-hand corner. He just made like a careless mistake and put him back in fifth. And to his credit, he battled back in the game. He did. He got up there. He was trying to make moves. He said, he's like, you know, he was in front of Curtis going to pit two. And he's like, I was going to try to force him to make a mistake. And instead, I crashed at literally the exact same spot. And then from there... Uh, Curtis was going. I have to say, though, you know, for Curtis, he's from kind of upstate New York. He considers this a home race. He had a lot of fans there. And it was cool to see. I think he felt that he talked a lot about just, you know, how... Proud he was and happy and excited to race in these conditions. But there were like some dudes and the announcer, because I was running to the finish from being backed by Double Trouble or whatever. And there were some announcers like, oh, and Brunner goes down. And there were like a group of dudes who started cheering. We oh, have like no. animosity in cyclocross. We have like people who have favorite riders who are cheering for the misfortune of other people. That's interesting. That's what we- it's interesting i was like wow man i didn't know you guys felt that way about eric Bronner. but i think it was more supporting curtis but we had fans of curtis white who were cheering misfortune for others we don't see that all the time
0: yeah and they they really did have a good battle they were they were going at each other pretty hard it would have been fun to see it come down to a sprint and then fourth and fifth place we had the california boys uh fighting it out with each other which i think they've done in the past uh Hate it and orton blad hate it got the best of him on on this one um, Jack Spranger we I think this was his the first week we're seeing him um, coming up from the junior ranks into u-23 and uh, another another young guy super fast and uh, finished eighth on the day any any other any other stories worth uh pointing
1: out Brandon turned it around and fixed uh coming in sixth um so good to see that i know he was probably disappointed on the c one day i uh, just want to say that i so i i had made a comment that uh, lance did a pro fade on, on 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 saturday but i learned that he rolled a tubular and that's why he kind of finished a little bit farther back but uh yeah good debut for lettuce uh on his first week
2: in the cross yeah him and tobin both made their presence very well known in that that at the front, you know, Brunner and Haydette were out in front in the first lap, but both of them threw down. I mean, Tobin was in front of Curtis at one point, you know, 40 minutes into the race. Uh, so I thought it was cool to see both of those guys. And I know, you know, they were really excited for, for the conditions and they delivered. Always good to see.
0: Yeah, I, I know Michael Vandenham a little frustrated in, in his results. So I think he's going to be um, coming out hot. I'm assuming you City. saw what happened. Oh, so this is this is great. So, I mean, Michael. Oh, oh, in the beginning of the.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. It is. So there's a, little, uh. there's a little rivalry brewing between Michael Vandenham and Caleb Swartz. I don't I don't know why yeah. they just they seem to be interlocked or whatever. And, you know, Michael, Caleb finished just ahead of Michael on on Saturday again. And uh, Caleb responded
0: by just wiping out and crashing Michael Vandenham. Out at the beginning of the it, it race It was it was it was like a scene from Top Gun and he had him like locked in. Like he just straight for Vandenham. <laughs> the <Just>, uh, <laughs> hilarious thing, you know, and this was the American doing it to the uh Canadian, you know, you almost think it would be the other way around, but Vandenham was laughing and saying, Yeah, Caleb was apologizing as he was sliding towards him. Yeah. Like he was a uh, pre-apologizing for hitting him as he's on the ground sliding. <laughs> I mean, it's so a good result from Kayla. I mean, he battled back like, cause that, so then he crashed
2: into like other guys. Like he was in literally third to last place, leaving the whole shot bill. I went to, and I was like, Oh boy, Caleb's in for a rough day. I didn't, cause I didn't see what happened. I just, it was one of those where I, I talked to, to Jeremy, friend of the CX hairs, uh, Jeremy blade peshkin. He's like, yeah, Michael Vandenham was near me. Like, that's just, that's, it might mean I got a good start, but it probably means that it's really bad for Michael. <laughs> <laughs> right it's like when Wout was in like 57th place right. at uh holst last year it's like and, and there were juniors from america you know u23s riding with him it's like this
0: this isn't good it's cool it's not good uh, j money update 11th on day one 13th on day two the he's just he's just working his way out it may happen you know the 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 heat check he's he's slowly making making an argument Uh, i think that that guy's gonna Uh, he's not there yet spoiler not there yet sorry jay money but possibly an argument i think he's gonna make a lot
2: i'm a fan he races with his heart on his sleeve just like you know caroline money just had a reputation for that and i think she made a lot of fans uh jay money's like pain faces are just the best like he he goes all in that dude was just going all out both days and uh, you love to see it and I think that uh, I await the day that Jay Money and his glorious kit break onto the, po- the heat check
0: who's who's his manager <laughs> who, who always um Who oh, always comments yeah william dowling i think william dowling yeah <laughs> do we know if william dowling exists or if this is just he's uh, got a hype Jonathan squad Adder-
2: sock puppet <laughs> instagram Jay, hype squad
0: it's J money's like yeah
2: it's uh who had the it's it's burner a, ke- account yeah. <laughs> it's kevin durant <laughs> yeah. oh no oh my god love it so we're going to to charm city uh this weekend so yeah he, uscx another...
1: is
0: halfway over guys two weeks in it's yeah. halfway over <laughs> three weeks in, it's gonna be two uh three-fourths of the way over but then we gotta uh, wait don't you mean six
2: eighths don't you mean six eighths <laughs> don't you mean 12 six-eighths? 12 yes.
0: 24ths
1: <laughs> and or then when, we wait <laughs> that so you guys are i don't know if you're making a joke but it, uh and during the broadcast at one point Jose said this race is four tenths over and J- Jeremy kind of chuckled and was like, "I don't know what that means, um, but
0: we're on the third lap." Uh, so this is really—it's like uh, the USCX is is shaping up to be like college football, right? Like you you end the season and then you wait a month right. and then you have the na- the the national championship game. Yep, yep, that's true. Oh man. But yeah, Vinny's run away from it, and the men and Caroline has it in the. Will, I guess the question, and we can do the math next time, will Vinny have enough points after Charm City to secure the victory if he's not there? If he's, you know, I'm assuming he'll be back in Europe by the time that's what I was wondering comes
1: around. Would he come back for really rad? I mean, I guess there is a prize purse, but does it justify.
0: If he's still in first place, it does absolutely doesn't justify it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Anything else we want to say about uh, Rochester? Definitely an exciting weekend. I know we concentrated on some points more than others, but that's kind of the deal with these shows. We're assuming that you all have seen the race, and most of you have uh, read Zach's race reports. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's it. Any, any last words before we uh, – Start preparing for Baltimore. Yeah, well, I, I, you know that I want to talk a little bit about
1: Europe. Do you want to get into it? No. No? Okay. No? No. No, just. Three minute roundup. Three minute roundup. I just want to say I have heaps. I fucked that up. Never mind. Cut it all.
0: See you next time. The Slow Ride Podcast: Three idiots who are usually wrong.
1: The Slow Ride Podcast: The titanium of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast: It's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast: The Swift Racing of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast: Find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast. The arrow helmet of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast. When's Lance going to sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast. The experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official fan
0: experience zone on Facebook.
1: The Slow Ride Podcast. The gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Both vertically and horizontally compliant.
0: The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.